Today's episode is brought to you by Dr. Dish, trusted and innovation solution basketball training machines. Check out their revolutionary skill building program at drdishbasketball.com. Welcome to Fadeaways and Fundamentals. I am your host, Andre Perano. Today's guest, Tony Miller, joins the show. We talk hoops, life. Let's dive right in with Coach Tony. So welcome to Fadeaways and Fundamentals. I am your host, Andre Perano, here with my man of the hour, Coach Tony Miller. Of Bob Jones University. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for taking my phone call. So, Coach, um, just to dive right in really quick, can you give me a little uh, quick uh, view of your life in basketball? Obviously, growing up playing the game, who coached you, who mentored you, and um, now being a part of uh, a university and being a collegiate coach. Yeah, so I, I played basketball at the high school level. Came to a college that actually didn't even have intercollegiate sports. I knew I wanted to coach, um, and and so I played played uh, here on campus, but no kind of um, no no formal as far as playing for a college team or anything like that. I really hadn't had any desire to to coach at the college level, um, and then I ended up teaching at the university that I that I went to, and along the way they decided to start an intercollegiate basketball program. Um, I had done some coaching. I've, I've coached at the high school level and uh, had done some things here and there, you know, running camps in the summertime and going different places and working camps. So I had done coaching. I just hadn't done it at the college level. Um, I was actually working on a degree and had to do a internship. And so it kind of coincided with the start of the, the basketball program here at the university. And so I actually started as the director of operations uh, in the first year of the program back in 2012 and then kind of it just kind of quickly morphed into a volunteer assistant position and uh, several years after that I ended up getting hired as the assistant coach here and I also teach at the university so uh, my main job is the I'm a college professor here at Bob Jones University um, and then I'm also the assistant coach for the men's basketball team so um, that was a lot of years and a lot of um, kind of details that I skipped over but that's kind of the the short story of how it all ended up happening. Right, right. Okay. Who who helped you fall in love with this game? Um, I I, I, th- I mean, I've always loved basketball. Uh, my uncle had a big part of it. He was a Indiana basketball coach. I'm from Indiana, so it's kind of in my blood. Um, we ended up moving, and we ended up. I ended up graduating, and going to high school in North Carolina. So I, I think probably. You know, if you're talking basketball, that's two of the states that we commonly think of with basketball. So, I mean, it was kind of something that I always did. Um, but having him, he kind of introduced me, of course, being an Indiana, Indiana um, grown and bred. Uh, John Wooden, of course, you know, I think we think of him with UCLA, but really with his start there in, in Indiana and going to Purdue. My uncle was from Purdue. He went to college there. So he kind of turned me on with, to John Wooden. And so I got all the John Wooden books. And so probably a little bit old school compared to some that are kind of getting into coaching now. 
Um, John Wooden is just a guy that coached college basketball and won a lot of championships. But, you know, his philosophy on, on teaching and coaching, I think that too had an influence on me from the standpoint of me being a teacher um, and, you know, his profession being a teacher and then being a coach as well and his belief that coaching is just simply teaching in a different classroom. Um, and that's kind of how I, I've always viewed it, even my coaching now. Uh, I'm probably more reliant on the teaching side of things and uh, heavily involved in the teaching side of things than I am even in anything else that goes along with program management. So um, with him, you know, being in North Carolina, being around, of course, the North Carolinas and the Dukes, and, you know, even when we were there, they were still kind of on the tail end of the Balvano uh, era. And so, you know, basketball was real big around there. Um, I still... In the summer times, I, I work up at the Duke basketball camp, and I'm um, a coach up there. So, you know, just being involved and around it, those coaches, I think probably um, I, I don't haven't really interacted a ton with uh, higher level coaches from that perspective, other than just kind of working the camps and being around them in that way. But um, I, I think just observing them from afar, reading books, learning as much as I can, I'm really big. I think it goes back to the being a teacher and always being a, a learner as well. Um, I do a lot of learning and um, even now connecting with coaches and learning from them as, as much as I can. Absolutely. doesn't matter what level it is. So yeah, I, I mean, that, that, I don't know if that really necessarily answers your question as far as one person in particular, but just kind of trying to grab the best from, from anybody that I can get a hold of. Right, right. No, I, I'm the same way. I mean, um, this basketball community that I'm a part of, you know, uh, skill coaches, uh, collegiate coaches, high school coaches, I try to pick everybody's brain. I'm constantly trying to learn something every day um, when I'm interacting um, with players, coaches, skill trainers, whatever it is when it has to do with basketball. I would love to take something from somebody to uh, – put in my bag or my folder to hand back out to the youth now so i love it i mean that's that's huge i mean i talked to cody topper uh, a few times a month and he's always blessed me with plays uh breakdowns of film uh just in general just in life and and, and their experiences and i and i love it um gannon baker the same way uh jordan lolly um, me here talking with you, like this platform that I've created in podcasting, it's, it's definitely just a classroom for myself. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I love it. Now, what, what are three important factors you believe or what you guys look for as a basketball player to come to your college facility, play for your guys' team, or just in general to go play at anywhere? I would say the biggest one is fit. Uh, it's not just for us, but for really anybody that's looking to go and play college ball. Um, I think that most people would say, yeah, you know, fit as far as me being able to go and contribute. And that's really only a part of it. Uh, you're going to a college that you're planning to spend, hopefully to spend the next four years. I mean, that's what a coach is hoping for when you come there is that you'll come and invest in the program and they invest in you. And it goes beyond the basketball, especially in what we do here at Bob Jones. And so being able to fit here, not just at the, in the basketball program, but also the university, um, uh, you know, we're transitioning to becoming a Division three school. We're in the provisional stage here right now. And, you know, the Division threes, I think the, the kind of the idea, of course, that academics are important and, um, you know, 
basketball is important as well, but really you're going to have to own your game. It's a phrase we use a lot with our players. And so guys, kids that are, that are highly motivated and, um, you know, time managers responsible with, uh, like I said, owning their own game. They, they're hard workers. They put in the work outside of it. It can't be something that I'm constantly holding your hand and, and leading you. So, you know, if I boil it down to three, let me think. I think the first one, like I said, is just a fit with the university. Um, the second one, you know, hard worker from that standpoint. Um, and then, of course, the academic piece of it. It's not that those are in order of importance, but those three things probably for our program especially are things that you, you just have to have if you're going to survive here and you're going to thrive here. Um, so probably those three things, I think, you know, there are other things as well that are important to us. Um, but, you know, those I, I picked those three things because I think especially for – for high school players that are wanting to go play college, just talking about in general, those three things would apply no matter where you're wanting to go play. Um, you know, the, the fit as far as you being willing to fit into what that coach is trying to do at that school, um, you know, you working hard, not just on the court, but also in the classroom. Um, and then the, the academic piece of it, you are recruited to be a, a student athlete. And of course, if you can't even keep your grades up to be eligible or whatever, then, you know, or, or just take ownership and be responsible for being successful in the classroom. You know, how are, how are you, how, how am I going to expect you to do what you're supposed to do on the court or in practice if I can't even get you to do what you're supposed to do in the classroom? So those three things probably are factors that would be common to any college program, not just our program here. Right. Okay. I love that. Now it's crazy because, you know, we're, we're living in a time where there's social media, uh, there's mixtapes, there's highlights of players. Um, players get to play on national levels. Um, and they're all about these rankings. Now college is very hard to go play at it. You know, it's 1% go to the division one, Wherever you're able to go play after high school, I think is a bonus. It's icing on the cake. Um, how important and how hard is it to actually really make it where, I'm sorry, but a lot of kids are living a fantasy. Their parents are telling them, coaches are telling them that they're the next it, they're going to make it, and it's really, really a grind to get there. Am I right? Yeah, you know, I think it goes back to what I just said before is that fit piece um going and playing somewhere the opportunity to go and play somewhere where you're actually going to fit and have the opportunity to be successful or to grow you know being successful isn't just getting all the minutes or being the top player or the top score or whatever you know and a lot large part of that to be honest with you is um getting people in your life who will tell you the truth not just tell you what you want to hear and i think there's a lot of a lot of people that are talking to these kids that are telling them things that they want to hear or just people that have no business telling them what they should be doing or somebody that's telling something that, you know, they want their, their parent to, to like what they're saying. I'll just give you an example of this. I heard of somebody that if I told you who it was, literally everybody would, would know this, know this person. And we were talking about, um, you know, their kid playing. And the honest truth is that this kid probably, he would probably be successful at a division two school, you know, division three school obviously but maybe a division two school but going and actually contributing and being a player at division one school like he has no shot and this guy who works with this the parent of this guy comes over to him and he's talking to to this guy as well as a, another coach 
and telling this guy that, oh, yeah, I mean, like, um, you know, these top, again, schools that if I mentioned, everybody would know them. Oh, yeah, this guy's, you know, they're, they're, they're talking to him about this kid and, and they're talking to this. Um, this school's talking to him about this kid. And that kid guy walked away and the, the, the parent who does know about basketball and the coach as well looked at each other. And the coach said, are you serious? You, you actually think that he can go play there? And the parent was just kind of smirked and shrugged his shoulders like, no way. There's no way he can go and play there. And so I, I think there are people who are, are telling these kids things that they're not realistic. Um, and so they're led down these these paths that they go and, sure, they maybe get this opportunity to go play at this school, but then they sit on the bench and they wonder why they never play, and then they go transfer somewhere else. And so I, I think that just that idea of having people that are going to tell you the truth um, and, and really do have your best interest at heart, um, not just the highest level. I think that's the thing that we often – we communicate that to our to players, even though we don't mean to. We tell them to go find the best place where they can go play, and then we give them the idea. We say, oh, oh wow, you got you to gotta offer. You got to offer from a D1 school. And so we actually do communicate to them that go playing at D1 is, is more important than going playing at D2 or going playing at D2 is more important than playing at D3 or playing at D3 is more and so on and so forth. So I, I just really be careful about what you're communicating to these kids and being honest with them, because if you really do have the best, their best interest at heart, you will tell them the truth. And it can be hard for them to hear that sometimes, but I really do think that's why we have a lot of kids that are, that are transferring is because they didn't go and they, they didn't go find the best fit. They went so that they could go tell their friends or so their parents could tell their other friends that my kid got a scholarship to a D1 or D2 or whatever. Um, I, you know, I'll just tell you this as an example as well. We've had multiple people interested in our school. And because we're a Division three school, we don't offer uh, athletic scholarships. And so we'll end up having a kid that we've recruited and who looks like, oh, yeah, he'd be a great fit here. He should come here. You know, everything it looks good. He'll go and he'll choose another school that is going to offer him an athletic scholarship. And he'll reject our offer. But if you actually sat down and put it out on paper and looked at the numbers, it is significantly, I'm talking about thousands of dollars, cheaper to come to our school. But he'll go to that other school because he got an athletic scholarship so that he can post it on social media or more more likely so that his parents can post it on social media that he got an offer to go and play at this other school. And I'll also tell you what typically happens is, is by, by Thanksgiving or by Christmas of that first semester, I've, I've had this happen multiple times. I get a text from a kid and says, um, I'm not in this, this isn't working out for me at the school. Would you guys still be interested in me? Uh-huh. And that just goes to your point is that there people are speaking to those kids, not, not what the truth is. They're speaking what they want to hear or what they want to, like you said, what they want everybody else to think about them. And it doesn't work out in the long run. And I think we're really, I know we're really doing these kids a disservice by going that route. Right. I, I, I have a program and, and I'm very blessed to have teams from the 15U as my oldest all the way down to the 8U program. And my 15Us, um, I, I tell them how it is. I tell them uh, what what coaches are looking for at the junior varsity, varsity level, what they're looking at uh, as a freshman basketball players, and and what they are looking after that. Because I've played there, and I'm like, you know, you you have milestones to hit. You have you have this step, then this step. Then there's no there's no advancing until you until you can get past this step. 
Like you can't mm-hmm. just leap over steps. Like you may think that, but in reality, it's a few, a few small group of boys or men that do that. So I try to tell them like, these are the facts. It's very black and white, you know, because when you get there, it, they're, they're not, they're not going to throw smoke at you. It's, there's no gray area. So another question I had for you is how important is film and learning the game through IQ? Um, I know me and Cody, uh, we talk about this all the time. He sends me tons of film on college, um, and in the NBA. So it's, it's, it's wonderful for me to, to sit down and, and break down film. I get to do that with my own son at 14. Um, how important is this? You know, I, I think it's not necessarily just the fact that you're watching film. It's, it's helping kids understand what they're supposed to be watching. Um, and, and to an extent, I think that even probably some young adults, um, they're still watching a lot of film like it's a like it's a highlight tape. Yes, no. and I, I think that you know, yes, just it's just the nature of of how we've how people have been raised to watch sports, or you know, only give it to me in the bite sizes, so I only see the dunks or the sweet passes or whatever, instead of what what are what am I actually supposed to be watching? Am I supposed to watch the ball? Am I supposed to watch the player movement? Am I supposed to watch, you know, what what exactly am I watching? And so when you sit down to watch with a kid, what are, what are you wanting them to get out of that film? Are you wanting them to see what it's supposed to look like for them to run off screens, to read screens the right way? Are they supposed to, um, you know, recognize a second level of defense that's coming off to, after a ball screen? Are they supposed to be looking at the help rotation on the weak side? Like what exactly are they supposed to be watching? And so, you know, the idea of watching film, I, I totally agree with you, but like, what are we watching? And I think that the more important thing is teaching players what to watch. Um, we try to do this with our players. We, we don't, it's not so much even watching a lot of film. Uh, it, again, I, I still think that that's the, that's the we, we communicate to, to players that do more, do more, do more, do more. And in my opinion, it's more of no, let's do less, but let's do it better. Right, And so, sure, you can watch six hours of film if you want, but I don't know that you're really going to get a lot out of just sitting down and watching six hours of film. I'd rather watch about six to ten clips and watch for something specific. So, I mean, even talking about what we do with our program. So we will have a film session sometimes at the beginning of practice. Um, Sometimes we do it in the middle of practice. So, for instance, we'll do at the beginning, we'll show maybe six clips. And it'll be on something very specific, and then we go out to the court, and we're going to focus on those those things that we just watched in those six clips. Or we'll, during a practice, um, we'll do a session, a segment, and then it'll be time for a water break. And so for about two minutes while they're doing water and kind of just resting for a little bit, not, not too long so that their body doesn't start tightening up or whatever, but just for a minute or two, we have a TV right by the side of the court. And we'll watch, okay, we're going to watch, let's just say, for example, we're going to watch, okay, this is how we want to defend stagger screens. Okay. And so we'll watch film from the year before, about four or five clips of how to defend a stagger screen, and then we'll go out to the court and we'll practice what they just saw on on television. And I I think it's important that we remember the fact that there are different types types of learners this is the teacher side of me you have the audio learners you have the visual learners you have the kinesthetic learners and you as a coach need to be reaching each of those learners and understanding that yeah 
each individual can learn from each of those, but we kind of, we have a preference to which, which we do best. And so, um, you know, go back to your point. Yes. I do think you should be watching film with players, but to be honest with you, film, you know, film alone, isn't going to fix everything and film for some kids may be more beneficial than film for other kids. So, um, that's just something, you know, I think that based off of what you ask, yes, I do think film is important. What are you watching? How much are you watching? Understanding too, that film for one kid, a lot of it for one kid may be a complete waste of time. He may only be able to need to see it one time and he's got it. So, um, those are just kind of some random thoughts with film. Yeah, no, I, and I totally agree. Like I'll pick a segment that's Cody breaks them down in between a minute to like three minutes mm-hmm. and we'll watch, say it's a, a minute and a half and we'll watch what's coming on the ball. We'll watch off ball movement. We'll watch weak side movement. And then we'll, after we're done with that, the next day we might watch the same exact segment, my son and I, but then we're watching what the defense is doing off of that. Mm-hmm. How are they, sure. how are they reacting to all of that? So, sure. yeah, we and, we and that's the kind of thing where what you just mentioned to me, that could take 15 to 20 minutes and you're literally watching one or two clips. Yes. Yes, exactly. That's how that's how we break it down, because <laughs> yeah. I, I would probably get lost watching too much film, too. Sure. Absolutely. Sure. Um, now, what do you think, like, based on like a college player, even high school? Um, on the micro skills, how important are micro skills and working on that alone? I know that you were talking about, you know, doing less, but more efficient. So how important are micro skills? Yeah. I mean, for us at the college level, it's a little bit different. And I always make this caveat because I understand that it doesn't necessarily work like this for high school players. I I coached high school for a while and where I was, the way that it was set up, this sounds ludicrous, but we, we, there were some weeks where we had like one day of practice, maybe oh. two days of practice. Okay. And we're talking about like an hour to an hour and a half. You can imagine what the games looked like. I mean, they were atrocious. But it, it, in that hour, hour and a half, like I'm trying to think, okay, what can I teach? And to be honest with you, I didn't have a ton of success winning and losing. I was a younger coach at the time. And what I, what I, what I felt like if I go back, I probably would do it the same way because I would focus on those micro skills and my teams would take longer to come along than the other teams that were just kind of piecing together just big kind of big systems and the way that the schedule was set up and whatnot. You actually had more success by ignoring the micro skills and just kind of focusing on big system of plays and then just going out and executing. And in the end, it was really whoever had the biggest and strongest kids won. But that's not how that's how, not how most basketball works, and especially at the college level. So I've got practice, you know, six, five, six days a week. But in addition to that, I also have individual workouts that I'm able to use with these kids to develop skills. Um, you know, before and after practice, some kids will show up 30 minutes to an hour, and I can work with them during those times as well. And so for the high school coach, like they probably don't have that luxury. You, you may not even have, you may be sharing a court with the, you know, the girls have it before you and then another team has it after you. And so you may not have that availability. So, you know, I, I would say again, what, what does each player need? What can I do as far as the time allotment that I have? Um, I will say this, it's one area that, that I felt like we've gotten better at over the years is we've, we've combined player development, team offense, decision-making, we've spent more time putting things together, whether that's through small sided games or the drills that we use 
to teach those things at the same time rather than focusing on, okay, let's go, let's work on closeouts here for the next three minutes. Okay, let's work on now, you know, catching the ball and shot fakes and I don't know, whatever skill that you want to teach. Right. Um, we're, we're using our, we're trying to maximize our time to teach all those things without sacrificing the team aspect of it. So um, to answer your question, yes, I think the micro skills are extremely important. I, I can't fault, though, a coach who doesn't have the time that I have, and maybe their players aren't as skilled in those things, but they don't have the individual workouts that I have. So um, my advice to coaches would be, can you come up with, whether that's small side of games or drills that you use, can you come up with things that are going to teach and emphasize those micro skills, but maximize your time so that you're also teaching or working on things that will be directly applicable to bigger systems, whether that's teaching your defensive system or your offensive system or components of fast break or whatever that is. So, you know, I, I think that that's where we're at right now is that the challenge is this old school mentality of this is how my coach did it and this is how we've always done it. I mean, going back to your, your question about film, right? there are coaches that I know that are still watching 30 minutes to an hour of film before every practice. That's crazy. And, and, and kids are falling asleep because that's, that's not how kids think nowadays, but right. that's how, that's how their coaches did it and they won championships. So why would I change this? And it's just, it's a different time. And it's not that those things were wrong for that time, but, and you better be alert and pay attention to, to how things are working nowadays and how kids are learning and, and just the changes that are going on in the game. Otherwise you're probably not going to have the success that you want. So, you know, maximize your time, teach what you think is important or what is important to winning. That's another thing that we talk a lot about, like what actually matters to winning. Um, don't get too bogged down in the details because if you get too bogged down in the details, then okay, let's your, your shot fakes and your, your pivots and everything are perfect, but your team, you've been working so much on those things that your team doesn't know. They don't have an offensive system because you haven't had time to install that because you've been working on the micro skills. Right. So I think just balancing the things that, what matters again to winning and what do I need to spend my time on is a, I can't answer that question for every coach because every coach's scenario is different, but just be mindful of those things. Right. Okay. I got you. I like that. Now basketball is, is, you know, it's an emotional roller coaster. It's got a lot, a lot of ups and downs. I mean, a player can be on the top of his game one week and then for the next three weeks, he just can't even find a bucket, you know? Um, how, how do you deal with the mental side um, of the game? Uh, how, how do you help uh, your players out that way? Uh, we talk about it and talk about it more and more. I, I talk about it more and more the older I get. Okay. Um, this goes back to the, like, the, what, what, what you emphasize is what the players is going to think is important. And it goes to this point of, me helping them understand expectations, um, helping them understand what realistic expectations are goes back again to your question to me about, you know, parents and people from the outside talking to them, something that I say frequently, you know, I appreciate each one of these kids, parents and the fans that come to our game, but I don't give a lick what they say because they have no idea what's going on inside of our program. And I know that they're putting pressure on our kids to score more points and get more rebounds and win more games. And, but the fact of the matter is everybody wants their experience, their basketball experience to look like what happens when you start out on a roller coaster. 
So you start at the bottom and then you go to the top. But the reality is your career, your season or whatever is actually going to look like the rest of the roller coaster. There are ups and downs and sometimes they are really quick downs and other times they are just exciting loops and all that's what that's what a season that's what a career looks like in basketball yes. and so man managing expectations and what reality is um, and talking a lot about that um, you know we talk about it at the beginning of the year and as I I'm the one that actually gives the talk the coach lets me give the talk on this but I'll, I'll show them you know this is what it actually looks like and they're all looking at me like okay yeah thanks for telling us that coach and then I, I'm standing up there looking at them thinking they have no idea what's coming and, and, and they don't, but you don't know what you don't know, but I'm preparing them for that. And as we go along and they start going down the roller coaster and things aren't very good, I remind them, Hey, remember we talked about this. This is all just part of the process. <clears throat> keep working hard. You know, you keep putting in the time, you keep improving, things will get better. And then that it goes up and they have a great game. And then what happens? Then maybe they have a bad game or they get hurt, they get injured. It's, it's all part of the process. And I think that if we, that's what really that's what trusting the process actually is it's not just you know i put in the work and everything's going to be great at the end and we're going to win championships um and i think that goes back to us too having realistic expectations as coaches <clears throat> you know what 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 should this season look like well we have ideas what what we hope this season looks like but the fact of the matter is is that they're going to be ups and downs and so just being realistic with yourself being realistic with your players communicating that to them and helping them understand that it's all part of the process. There will be ups and downs, but just keep working hard. Things will, I'm really big too into like analytics and what are analytics. They are what, what they, they tell the story of what happens normally, but we all know that some games you shoot a great percentage. Other times you don't shoot a very great percentage, but what happens, it all averages out. And so I even, you know, to your, to your, question kind of about like the the player that has a great game and then doesn't have a very great game i remind them or they go through a slump i remind them hey you know this is just part of the process you're a typically a 35 percent three-point shooter keep working hard keep shooting things will get better coach you just literally dropped dimes that was crazy bro i loved it i love the fact that you brought in how the season is a roller coaster for one with all the loops and turns and then how do managing expectations like i can literally drop the mic now and be like we're done <laughs> like that that's it guys go go listen to this ending and, and we're out <laughs> but i'm not gonna do that but i really really just love that segment man you just got me crazy hype i love it i just damn that's crazy i love that i just loved it um, yeah, I mean, the, the truth of the matter is, again, it goes back to the, I just think that we all have this unrealistic view of what like a career is or what, you know, what a season should look like, or we, we, we think that everything's going to end up in a, in a Mighty Ducks or whatever movie that at the end, we all win the championship and we all go home happy. And it just, it doesn't, there's only in your league, there's only one team that ends the season with a win. And cuts down the nets, and the fact of the matter is, most of the time it's not going to be you. And, and but that's how life is too: is that there's going to be ups and downs, and you know things aren't always going to work out the way that you think that they're going to work out. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that's a bad thing, right? You know, 
we we like to post on Twitter that hard times and losses help us grow. But then when the hard times and the losses come, then we wonder what happened. What did I do wrong? What, why is this happening to me right now? <laughs> so like there's, there's even in the things that we talk about, there is this disconnect versus what we say we believe versus what we actually believe. And if we actually believe that hard times and difficult times actually made us better, then we would embrace those things. And I think communicating that to your players is important so that again, past basketball, when difficult things in life come, that's not an excuse or a reason to quit and give up, but it's actually an excuse and a reason to keep going on and pushing forward because those times are actually going to make us better and make us better people in the long run. Yes, and I and you're absolutely right. Like this weekend, Coach, you know, we're, we're, we're battling this pandemic. We all are. And so I have – I'm very, very blessed and honored that I have about – 17 kids that are of the age of 14 and 15. So I ha- I can make and create multiple teams. Um, we went to a, a tournament this past weekend. Um, now, mind you, everybody is very scared. You know, California, that's where I'm at. We're in San Diego. A lot of stuff is locked down. Stay-at-home orders. So I only was able to take up a, a group of six basketball players. So it was three really great, strong, strong horsemen. And then the other three were just role players. And when they asked me what division we're playing in, um, what age group, they kind of, the, the older ones were like, oh man, and we have who and who we have, we have this. And I'm like, you have to understand, you have to take your lickings. Like we're going to go out there. We're going to have fun. We're going to space the floor. We're going to play the way we need to play. But you guys need to learn how to be leaders on the court with these three other boys. And it's okay if you lose. Like, you might lose by 30, but you have to learn from it. You have to accept it. You you can't always win. Am I right? Yeah, that's, yeah, I I couldn't agree more. But but that's hard for young kids. But let's be honest, that's that's hard for a lot of adults. It is, but I had told, and mind you, I talked to all the parents. I told everybody who was coming, and I told them that. And guess what? Mm-hmm. First game, we lost by eight. Second game on Saturday, I think we lost by like 20. Come mm-hmm. Sunday, everybody, you know, let's just don't worry about yesterday. Let's come back tomorrow. Let's be energized. We won both our games by 15 or 20 on Sunday. That's great. You know, they, I, and I, and I, on the way home, I'm texting all three of the good players. Don't worry about it. You you know, you don't. Your shot wasn't falling. It'll fall tomorrow. Attack the rim. It's a chess match. I always tell my boys this. It's a chess match. What are you good at? Okay, you're you're a big dominant player. Okay, so attack, attack them, attack them. Keep attacking the paint. Once you get there, attack, but come short. Come right before that free throw line. Start hitting that little floater or that little mid-range. Hit two of those, then come out, maybe hit a three-pointer. Once you do that, now you're just, they're looking at you like, oh my gosh, this guy's deadly from all over the floor. Now you're in his head. So that's mm-hmm. how you have to play the game. It's just a simple chess match. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, thank you. For sure. Yeah. So um, if you could create your own dream team, who would be on your starting five? Oh, talking just like NBA players? Whoever you want. Oh, um, 
Let's see. Um, I am I am a Steve Nash guy, which I'm sure nobody would start a point guard, but Ooh, I'll put I am. Uh, Steve Nash as my point guard. Okay. Um, his current player, I, I was just reminded last night, even though it was a uh, exhibition game, just how incredible uh, Kevin Durant is. So Kevin Durant would be on my wing. I don't I don't do positions, so you'll have to forgive my going out of order here. Uh, Steve Nash, Kevin Durant. Um, I am a LeBron ga- guy, so LeBron. I'm also a Jordan guy, which I know isn't it's like blasphemous for people who are fans of one or the other. So um, Jordan would be my other guy. That's four, right? Yes, sir. Um, and then uh, my fifth guy would be. Big guys just get in the way for me, and I like to play a lot of five outs, so I don't know that I necessarily have a big guy in there. I would probably have LeBron at the five, so... Wow. Uh, let's see. Oh, Kobe. Okay. Okay. So I would play, I would play basically a, a point guard and then a bunch of uh, wing players... And uh, probably people that are listening to that are making fun of me for not having a post player, but I don't really care. So I, I think I would probably still win most games because of, one, the mentality of the players, and two, the ability to play defense as well as score. Which I know that people will say, well, Steve Nash doesn't play any defense, but I don't really need him to play defense when I have those other guys. Right, so. right. No, I, I mean, you you have two, two of my starters would be LeBron and Jordan as well. So, okay. yeah. I, I I like that group. I like it. I would have went with Iverson, Shaq, LeBron, uh, Michael Jordan, and Kevin and uh, Kevin Garnett. Okay, I'm All a right. huge yeah. Kevin Garnett fan. My my uh, wife's family is from Minnesota, so they would probably give me grief for not having Kevin Garnett on there. But <laughs> I, I don't mind that as well. And I'm also from South Carolina, and he was from right up the road. So yeah, I have no problem with that. <laughs> now. Alongside basketball, I would say basketball has some of the, the best athletes in the world. Um, what other sport do you feel has the best athletes? Oh, um, I mean, I, you know, the obvious ones, but my two would probably be uh, football and soccer, actually. Okay. Um, I, I probably soccer from the standpoint of um, – I think just the basketball coaches probably should watch a little bit more soccer um, and the way that they're not just physically, when we talk about athletic, you know, not just the physical component of it, but just um, the mind and being able to foresee plays and actions and player movement. And I think the skill that goes along with the, the mind part of it, soccer players are extremely impressive to me. Okay. Um, and then just some of the size and the strength and the ability that the football players are able to, the things that they're able to do is extremely impressive to me. So probably those two sports. Okay, right on. Now, if you can get in a training session with one player, current NBA player or retired, who would that be and why? Um, the two guys that I would, the one, as we've already mentioned, is LeBron. Um, I, I just, I still don't think that most people understand the work that he puts in off of the court. Right. And you've been talking about what, what we talked about before, whether that's 
the physical that he goes through or the mental and thinking the game and the watching the film and what he's watching. I think that if they end up doing what like they did with Kobe and do kind of like the detailed stuff with Kobe, with uh, LeBron after he's done, people are going to just be amazed at his mind. Um, and then the other one would be uh, J.J. Redick. Oh, um, Redick, a former the, Duke player. The, 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 if, if I'd have told you the amount of money that he has made in the NBA um, and the skill with which he plays it for being a 6'4 kid from Duke, um, if I'd have told you that he would achieve that when he graduated from college, you would have mocked me. Everybody would have mocked me. Right. Um, I wouldn't have believed it. But if you go and watch actually some of his workouts, there's a few that are online, and I know he's going to put out some more. But if, if you actually watch the workouts that he does, they are on par with any top-level player that's ever played the game. Um, so I, and, and the skill with which he's able to shoot the ball from that distance and moving the way that he does and basically being able to, to uh, over overcompensate for not being very athletic is uh, extremely impressive to me. So he'd probably be the one. Okay, okay. Last question. If you were to leave Earth today and you could either leave on a postcard three phrases or three words, what would that be? Um, This is one that I heard from somebody else, but it's just um, kind of the idea that you just put before me. The three words would be you will die. And I think that when people think about the fact that, you know, you, your time on earth could be up today, um, it could be up within six months, or it could be up within 60 years. Those three options that I just gave to you would significantly change the way that most people live the next five minutes of their life. Right. Um, And I think, I think that more people need to live with a sense or an idea that I'm going to die today, possibly than the sense that I'm going to die in in 30 or 60 years. Um, That would significantly change the way that they live the next few moments of their life. Um, So those are probably my my three words. Kind of morbid, but not not to be kind of down, but I I do think that that would significantly impact and change the way that people uh, did their life. I love it. Great. That's what you want. Cool. Um, If anybody wanted to get a hold of you, how could they? Probably the best way to do is just to hit me up on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Tony W. Miller. Um, and you can shoot me a DM. I think my DMs are open, but um, reach me that way. Um, I'm also on Instagram at coach.miller. Um, either one of those is probably the best way to get a hold of me. All right. Well, hey, coach, thank you so much. You threw some crazy heat at us today, some dimes. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me on.